Hi, this is Craig and you are listening to New Voices by District Magazine. This episode features Softboy Records Poet Laureate and producer extraordinaire Kojak and Keen Kavanagh. This episode was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Sugar Club in October as part of our Issue 5 launch party. We're also delighted to say that this podcast is brought to you in association with Terror Records. Pop in to their Dawson Street or O'Connell Street stores this side of Christmas, pick up a record for a loved one, pick up a t-shirt, a poster, whatever you think, support Irish music, support Irish bands, enjoy the show. Oh, and there's uh, a little bit of swearing, so hide the kids. Enjoy. Um, so how are you? Good, yeah. It's good. You've had a very productive few months. Yeah, yeah. working away. Working Busy. away. Chipping working away. A few yeah. aliases, few um, cream caviar. I, I didn't bring my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to bring my eyebrows tonight. In fact. <laughs> um, I suppose we get stuck in, and so... Obviously, Softboy, we want to talk about the sort of power of having a collective of people to come together and, and sort of help raise each other's profile, raise each other's confidence, make them better musicians, make them better people, I don't know. But um, how was it that, that Softboy came to be? How did you first meet? Because I actually don't know this. <laughs> uh, truth or... We met on okay. a couple's cruise yeah. no, we'll, through we'll, the Mediterranean. We'll, we'll go, we'll, we... <laughs> We actually, me and Kev were both working in the Gwail Talked. Actually, is that it, actually it, true? Yeah, yeah, in Connemara. We were, both, we were both working there when we were about 18. And, uh, and yeah, we were both very into music. So, and then... Smoking joints and listening to hip-hop. Yeah, Ke- one, night, one night we went down to the... We, there was a pier, and we used to go down to this pier... And how and just be you know at it, and and um, <laughs> and we were down there one night and fairly drunk and Kev turns to me and he says he goes Keen can I tell you something I was like yeah man go ahead it's like whatever it's like it's grand he goes uh, I actually I rap, I rap and I and I, I, I and I was like that's all right man that's all right <laughs> and he's like he's like can I do a rap for you? And I said, yeah, of course, yeah. And he did one for me, and it was amazing. It was so, it, was, it blew me away. So ever since then, we were kind of on the same page, I think, about music. Was there, there was no chorus of laughter when you told him that you were, wanted to be a rapper? No, I thought he had, well, no, no. I did the, did the rap thing, and then um, it was pretty intense. I thought he was going to have a panic attack after. He was just like, don't look at me, don't look at me. I can't, I can't look at you. But, uh, so, yeah. so how did you, obviously, um, young, you know, nice bond in the, in the Gale Talked, uh, rapping off Gaelga. Um, that doesn't leave this room now, please. <laughs> yeah, cut that out. Uh, our credit be gone. gone we met on the mean streets of wherever. Leash, yeah. Yeah, Port Leash. Yeah. Is it Zam Zams? Zam Zams, yeah. Does that exist? I have two friends here from Port Leash, or three, actually, Stephen Blake as well. So they all get the references. God, very handsome men coming out of Port Leash. Um, so how, how did, the, how did the, the relationship sort of, uh, how did it develop? Did you just keep in touch online? Was it a case of, did it go, did it go a while? And they said, oh, I have fond memories of that Keen Kavanagh guy on the pier that night. I want to... I, I should... wonder what he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, how did it, how did it uh, like what sort of time frame would that have been? 
Um, like 2014, maybe. So we were about in college in Dublin. So we'd be out and about like a yeah. good bit. I think um, for a year we didn't do anything music. We were just kind of like friends and met up and stuff. And then the following year we hung out like that summer, I think. And then from that we were both... Um, we were both wanted to make music and stuff, so we were just kind of helping each other out yeah. from then. Yeah. And then so, you know, we were kind of... I was recording a little bit more, um, showing tracks, and was kind of... I think with the stuff that I was recording, I was kind of finally in a place that I was like, this stuff I think is good enough to release. I kind of like to release it properly, and Keen had this idea of like putting together like a like a record label, like a faux record label, and I think at the time it was kind of like... Well, when you get into trying to, like, book venues or, you know, contact people about putting nights on, it looks better if it comes from soft boy records than from my college email or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, start up, like, a pseudo record label to trick people into thinking we're legitimate. And did it work? Was it effective? Terribly. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, so it's been going good now, and I, I think... You know, we've got probably like nine artists um, all around Ireland um, dotted in different places that we kind of just help with like management, rollout, um, making sure that everything looks like it's legitimate, you know what I mean, before it comes out. So in that essence, yeah, that idea of like a collective, like a group of people or like a support system for artists. And you're sort of, um, with the age group that you are, you're definitely like a creature of your own environment where... The in, like online being able to share tracks instantly to be able to get feedback instantly from your peer group was that something that you were able to take confidence in when you were trying to you know bring Kojak to the forefront um, what, what do you mean like <laughs> <laughs> like the I'll just say I'm just asking another question <laughs> so I just what, didn't understand it so uh, the idea of just being able to instantly send someone a track or a demo, because oh, yeah. I'm showing my age now, it would have broke my mum's laptop if I'd have yeah, sent yeah. a track on Fruity Loop. So did you feel that that was easier? <laughs> and I did break my mum's laptop. I don't think she's here, so yeah. fuck her. Um, uh, sorry, I, I, I get what you mean now, as in like sharing, so like private sound. Yeah, did, it, did like that accelerate what Softboy was? Because you were able to establish people that you had a connection with. Yeah, and I think in terms of like, especially... In terms of like people who make uh, like beats and stuff like that or produce that kind of thing, it's that culture of yeah, just sending everyone who in our group of like friends who are now kind of on the label and stuff, we're all flying. You know, just if they made something before they put it anywhere, they'd be sending across, and yeah, you're getting that immediately kind of. And there, there's that there's that kind of competitive thing about it as well. Like if someone sends you a good one, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going to be sending one back that's better than that. Like, so, that and is the, so is the criteria, what is the criteria for soft boy apart from not being as good at making beats as you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's be, always be better, it, yeah. be better at making beats than us, I think, is the criteria. Yeah. Or making music. But, but it seems that everyone, everyone involved in, in, I don't know, you call it a label, I suppose. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you yeah, want yeah. it to be known as, as, as a label? Yeah. Um, everyone sort of everyone buys into the stuff that you've been doing, you know, like the, the like Facebook Live, the skits, that sort of stuff. Is that an important part that they sort of, they buy in and they're, like, they're all in for that sort of stuff, just being more than just an artist? I, As in, like, uh, artists that we would work with? Yeah, like, the people that are actually on Softboy, the fact that they, they're all right for doing, like, Wastefellow 
on oh, the cream yeah, caviar yeah. shell. I, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's kind of like necessary. That like um, that's gonna that would have to be uh, something that they would or how am I saying this? Um, you know, we 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 only work with people who we got on with and you know who we felt like we shared a laugh with as well, or sh you know shared the same personality. Would wouldn't make sense for us to be working with someone if we were at like loggerheads. That completely that defeats the purpose of a collective. Yeah. So I think that kind of stuff is just like more a product of, it's not like, okay, if you're joining us, you have to do X, Y, and Z skit. You have to get a certain <laughs> amount of laughs or anything like that. It's, it's just more, that, that kind of carry on is just a product of us being friends, I think. And it does seem to be quite a tight-knit community. Um, is there ever apprehension of, about when people are actually joining that they might upset the balance? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, it's you sort of have to say that now with the people that are there. Yeah. See, we don't have a, a whole lot of resources. You know what I mean? So we don't have money. Um, <laughs> so people that we work with, you know, we're kind of investing time and effort into them. So if we get on with them and we feel they're making good music and we feel that people should be listening to it, well, then they're going to come on the label. Um, so that's why, you know, even with the kind of like Waste Fellow stuff, I guess before that, primarily it was a lot of the sounds that are coming from the label were like hip hop or they were jazz or even kind of beat maker stuff like with Peter Breen and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like a, we love uh, Dill Waste Fellow. Get on really well with him and I think he's an amazing artist. Um, in the music that he makes so you know if the music is good it's going to come out on the label regardless of kind of like um, whether or not we feel it like fits in with the genre like, and yeah. was that a conscious decision to actually have it as a, an open ended in terms of genres or were you afraid of being pigeonholed into oh you just make hip hop or you just make beats yeah and I think in my head anyway there's something that ties all the music together um, and I, yeah, I, can, I can see what you mean there yeah. Is, yeah there's a common yeah. thread through yeah, yeah I think Mm, for me, there is some kind of like hip hop element, whether that's um, whether that's the way the music sounds or some of the inspirations for some of the sounds and stuff. I think there's some kind of um, kind of like hip hop or jazzy or soulful kind of vein that runs throughout all the music. So, so I think we, me and Kev, can both see see that anyway. So for us, it doesn't seem like such a departure to do. And especially because genre is becoming more and more meaningless, like in the kind of spot of culture we live in. So, um, so it just seems natural. Like, and with with your band, with, with your project, it's members of Softboy. Is that is that lack of money, resources, or is <laughs> is, is it a case of you spend so much time together, you work together on so much stuff that this was a natural progression for you? Uh, yeah, I think, well, it, it's just like the people on the label tend to be people I, we admire as musicians or whatever, so I, if they want, like, if I, so they'd naturally be the people I'd ask to, you know, to play with, and I'm just blessed that they said, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. because they easily could have said, mm, you know, no. They are very good in fairness, I'm not trying to take out no yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they're, I know they're here, so yeah, I have to say, but they're, like, They're yeah. amazing, so it's just, they're the musicians that I know the best, and they're also 
in my opinion, the best musicians, so I'm stealing their, their powers. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I don't know if the stealing their powers is the right thing for this, but you've been hanging around with Slow Tie a good bit and, and Big Pig. I don't know if, like, is, what is it that makes you gravitate towards these acts? I know that when Slow Tie was in Dublin for his show last month that you basically hung out with him the whole time. I think he adopted Luca Pam. As well, he's yeah. very like he's he took him to his house. Oh, really? Yeah, Luke he went yeah. to Northampton with Slowtie to his gaff. What is Northampton yeah. like? We don't know. We, we didn't, didn't go. go. Oh, oh, he, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> You'd have to ask Luke. Luke what's it like? <laughs> <laughs> he said he oh, smoked he a hash blunt, which I'm pretty sure is just a crayon. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is is it a, is it the fact that you have this sort of collective built around you that you find it easier to reach out to these people? You know, and just be like, "Hey, come with us." There's loads um, of us. No, I don't. I don't think it's like that exactly. Like, there's we've done support slots before where it's very much like don't. maybe the promoter will keep you away from the green room. Like, done slots in Workmans where you have to fucking sit upstairs outside Wow Burger and well, whatever. You know, the yeah. main act is on downstairs, and usually they're lovely. Like, and they're very nice, but. Um, we just got on really well with them, and they like yeah. Slowtie have a very tight knit group as well. Like his manager is his cousin, and he's like twenty four, so he's like the same age as me. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> just in case anyone's wondering my age, just slipping that in. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I think um, that's funny. <laughs> I knew this was going to be really good crack. I actually knew it was going to be good crack. Yeah, so I think I think we were quite similar in that sense. They they're they're very tight, Nick, and they're kind of like they've built it up from kind of the ground up. Um, like his manager would shoot a lot of their videos as well. So you know, I got on well with him because we were chatting back and forth about kind of like different videos and stuff. Um, their producer as well, Quez Darko, he was um, with them, a lovely fella. They're all just really, really nice, so we got on very well with them. Um, and the same with uh, Jess, Big Pig. It was just the case that, I mean, we were over in London, and um, I, I really liked their music, and she, she had, I think she'd, we just kind of exchanged some messages and stuff back and forth. So we were in, it's just the case of, like, meeting people and seeing if they're, like, nice. Um, yeah. But the relationships, they, are, they seem natural. Like, I, I've seen before, like, I've been bringing act over for 10 years, and there's always like, oh, yeah, your best mates for that weekend, then it's done. But there does seem to be a nice rapport with, with uh, especially Slow Toy. Um, and, like, him bringing Luca out on stage yeah. in London and stuff like that. Do you feel that that's, like, that's indicative of how strong the Irish, like, people are actually taking Irish alternative music seriously that perhaps wouldn't have happened about five years ago? I think so, yeah. I, I definitely... It was amazing to see how into Luca because Luca supported him and Workman's and just how into it they were like was just you know amazing because things can sometimes seem like they're happening in kind of a vacuum here in just in Dublin or in Ireland and you're not sure you know like while we think Luca's music is the best shit ever it's it, it is nice to have you know someone who you really respect be like this, this is amazing. And you're like, mm. fuck, yeah, it is. Um, you definitely don't want to be like reductive and saying that, you know, English people need to think Irish, Irish stuff is good means it's good, but it's, as you're saying, you do get caught in this vacuum where, and, and I don't think many Irish acts, it's sort of, you get the feeling now that the, the floodgates are open almost. Like, do you feel like, have you, when's your, when's your Dublin or your London show? 
Which the is sold out. 28th of November. Did you expect, just say before Delhi Daydreams came out, did you expect that you'd be selling out a London venue six months later? Yes. No, no. I didn't. No, uh, no not at all. Um, you know, and I, th- I think the intention with it, when it kind of started off, was I only kind of had like maybe three or four songs. It was going to be like a short EP. I think I remember telling you, it was like, oh, this will be a four track. Um, and... Yeah, so I don't know, like when it, during like kind of the making of the um, project, I call it, um, I, w- I wasn't thinking too much about it, so it kind of very much built together naturally and kind of became its own thing, which I think was good because it kind of has its own voice, that project. So, um, yeah, no, I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, but it's just been really good. And how long, how long was the, the concept of Delhi Daydreams in your mind? Was it, was it something that came together quite quickly, that, that sort of built up? Or, or was it something that you were inspired by, maybe another concept album, and that sort of helps you work towards it? Well, I, I'm a huge fan of, like, the streets. Um, like, Grand No Come For Free, or original Pioneer Material, two of my favourite albums. Same with, like, um, Ready To Die. I think that's an absolute... Absolute masterpiece um, lyrically. So yeah, concept albums are kind of like I enjoy that kind of um, yeah that idea of something being like a kind of self-contained world. If you know what I mean, you can kind of just it's really like into that kind of escapism. Same with film, you know, if something's really well thought out conceptually, um, and just you know taking from point A to point B. I really like that idea of just kind of like escaping into that. So that's, yeah, I don't know. In terms of the concept, I think I just had a tune that mentioned Delhi in it. So I was like, fuck it. <laughs> That'll work. Like. You mentioned uh, before like video work and, and with every release, there's always, there's fanfare beforehand, there's, there's methods to, to it all. Do you feel that your, your education, the fact that you, you, can, you make videos, do you feel that that's something that's necessary to be like a modern day artist, that you have to be the total package for people to really buy into it? Um, if you're independent, it, it really helps, um, especially if you don't have money, which was where I was, you know what I mean? Um, kind of last year, kind of no money... It was like beg, borrow, steal. It's that exact idea of like a collective. So I had um, like a friend of mine was getting into kind of filmmaking, Sam McGrath, who would have shot like Deli Daydream. Sorry, he would have shot Bubby's Cream and White Noise. Um, he was just kind of getting into filmmaking. He was really eager, really driven. He liked the music as well. And I was only kind of getting to know him at the stage. Um, so I kind of like inducted him into the group to kind of like go back and forth and it was just like very transparent about the whole thing it's like the two of us are just going to work on this really hard we're going to get it done I mean there's no money involved we can beg borrow steel borrow equipment um, but yeah I don't know like having no budget and having no money is kind of um, in a way you have to be really creative at what you do and really meticulous in how you plan stuff out. So all those videos were kind of like storyboarded start to finish and all the shots were there. There's not a lot of like, not a lot left on the cutting floor, as they say. Like all the shots were more or less used. And obviously with the fact that, that he was d- doing, he directed the videos, you were obviously, you're heavily involved in the process, but handing over that amount of trust on a project that was, was so close to you, was that a difficult thing to do? Yeah, I'd, I'd always find that 
process, very difficult, a bit of a control freak. So um, even like handing over like mixing and mastering and stuff, I even find that stuff kind of difficult, like, um, which is, you know, it's a detriment if you're making art because there's a lot that other people can bring to projects. There's a lot that other people can bring to art and their influence and their views aren't going to be the same as yours. So you get like a different perspective or a different sound or like a different viewpoint on stuff if you kind of relinquish some control, but you have to have like trust in that. So, and yeah. Has Keen helped you with that over the years? Obviously you work incredibly closely together. Yeah, so Keen, like all the tunes come through Keen first, really. That's like my first port of call for any song. It's just like, is this good? And Keen would be like class or he'd be like eh. and then and yeah. so you're obviously you're both very busy uh in the lead up to christmas with with shows and stuff and what's and are there plans for and what and and Santi. Santi. <laughs> <laughs> and what what exactly uh what have you got coming up next year is there is there going to be is there more focus on soft boy artists is there going to be another kojak release well, I'm working on music. Keen is working on his own solo project. But we'll leave it all up to be revealed. Yeah. Do the cream, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. <laughs> um, I, I just realised that we're running really over, uh, which is always probably a good sign. Uh, so could I get a round of applause for Mr. Kojak and Keen Cabinet? Thanks for listening. New Voices is brought to you by Terror Records. For more information on how to get Christmas sorted, hit up terrorrecords.ie or head into their Dawson Street or O'Connell Street stores.